Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the new Taylor Swift album, Reputation, and the third series of BBC metal-detecting comedy, Detectorists. Caroline has also watched Freaks and Geeks for the first time. I'm so excited. So shall we be talking about how that went later in the show? Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Another human to human episode of Seriously. Some hey. of my favourite Seriously episodes. It's always a human to human podcast. What Anna means is we are in the same room <laughs> as opposed to in separate rooms on other sides of the country. It's not a human to Skype to human podcast. No, I am down in London so that we can do the Harry Potter quiz tonight. Yay. Which will have already happened by the time most of you read this. But there will be more quizzes in the new year. We had a few messages from people saying, oh, I really want to come to a quiz, but I can't make this Tuesday. But there will definitely be more in the future. So keep listening and keep an eye on seriouslypod.com forward slash events and you'll know when it's happening. We love to quiz. It's, we do it's love actually to quiz. become a kind of weird team of me, Caroline, and also my boyfriend, Nick, these days. Yes. <laughs> Which is fun. He like <laughs> spoke to me last night and he was like, I really want to come to tomorrow's quiz. I hope you are expecting me to be there. I was like, yeah. <laughs> of course. We wouldn't do it without you, Nick. <laughs> so that's exciting. And he's, yeah, we're currently working on a, a new picture round for us. So isn't that so exciting? It is very exciting. It's also really difficult. Yeah. So hold on to your hats, those of you who are or have quizzed, depending on when you've heard this. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's been a big week in pop culture, hasn't it, Caroline? It has been a big week. I also feel like this period now from like mid-December through to Christmas, is just such a fertile period. Oh, I love it. All the good TV comes out because they are expecting you to stay indoors Mm. and just watch TV. For instance, I'm not saying it's good, but stuff like the BBC's big budget new adaptation of Howard's End started on Sunday night. You know, that kind of stuff. I haven't watched it, have you? I haven't either. I, I I do want to. I read some tweets Okay, that's the same thing. And which sure. is the same thing. Well, it was interesting because apparently they've cast not lots, but more than you might think in a BBC Edwardian period drama, people of colour in it. Ah, well, that's and always good to hear. There was some interesting 
and less interesting discussion of this yeah, on some. Twitter I saw while it was airing. So yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Great. But also this is Oscar bait movie time, right? Totally. One thing that I kind of wanted to add to that Christmas note of yours which is maybe going too long down a garden path we don't have time to go down is um have you heard the latest men ruining things debacle something that you probably would have quite enjoyed has been ruined i have the agatha christie christmas thing which has become a bit of a thing the last couple of years sadly they were last year and the year before really really thoroughly enjoyed the Agatha. yeah so it was the um and then there were none and then witness for the prosecution starring toby jones starring toby jones and they were this what were they doing this year ordeal by ordeal by innocence and they've pulled it because it stars ed westwick currently facing multiple allegations allegations of sexual harassment and assault yeah which i think is you know obviously we can't go into allegations too deeply on seriously which has no funding to for lawsuits but the right thing to do absolutely absolutely the right i'm just sad that it means that thanks to the alleged behavior of one shitty man we now like can't have our agatha christie christmas thing yeah it is interesting because apparently they after the success of the first two christmas ones they commissioned like seven or something love it okay so so we shouldn't get too upset there will be more and also i feel like this feeds into a little bit what they're doing with that film about john paul getty and the kidnapping Mm. you know where they're just recasting kevin spacey reshooting it in order to get it out which is so fascinating because when i went to see murder on the orient express i saw the original trailer for that film it played it and that was the week of all the kevin spacey stuff it was like a few days after netflix had dropped house of cards absolutely monumental that shift that we're seeing which is fantastic and i was like seeing this trailer obviously you wanted this film to get oscar nominations Mm. that is why you've made it like this Mm -hmm. it's why you're releasing it now so of course it makes total commercial sense to just get him the hell out of it Mm -hmm. and then maybe your film will still have a chance Mm. but that yeah that's such a seismic shift a year ago two Mm. years ago five years ago it would have made more commercial sense to just like keep quiet about it and like people are still gonna see it and people are still gonna end up handing casey affleck the oscar for best actor or whatever and that we're not we're not actually in terms of time very far on from brie larson handing casey affleck an oscar at all like it's crazy the amount the culture has shifted and I, I absolutely am so pleased. Obviously, it's so depressing to hear week on week about another horrific allegation, but the way that the shift is happening is just so commendable. I'm also trying to find positives in the relentless mm. ways of news and one of them is, great role for Christopher Plummer. Maybe he should have got that role in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big um, fan of Christopher Plummer. It's making people change the way that they look at what people actually want from actors and representation and stuff which is really good maybe people out there will disagree with me about this but i think if casting directors are going to think twice about putting forward a man who has a nasty trail of unresolved allegations following him for roles that's all to the good Mm mm-hmm yeah. There are lots of male actors and directors who don't have that kind of thing following them around. Totally. They should get more work. And, you know, branding and reputation is such a big part mm. of casting and celebrity. And this is just another element of that. It's so crazy to me to think that the Seriously Problematics fave episode we did a couple of months ago was like pre-Weinstein. I know. I mean, we're still getting emails from people who I think are just catching up on it. It's actually turned into one of our most popular episodes of this year, I think. Yeah. Most listened to people still emailing saying like are you going to expand upon how problematic johnny depp is and i think we should say we are not for now obviously we're reading the news and absorbing it and thinking about it yeah but 
I'm not sure we can really add much more no. at this point. <laughs> Maybe we should have a weekly in things men have ruined this week. Yeah, you okay. can't watch Gossip Girl anymore. Great, you know, like... <laughs> Let's do that, yeah. So things this men have ruined this week. Ordeal by innocence. Ordeal by innocence at Christmas. Yeah, sad. But anyway, it has been a great week in other areas. So should we roll on with the first thing that we're going to talk about yes. this week? So the first thing we're going to talk about is, obviously, Taylor Swift's Reputation. It's her sixth album, and it marks a further shift away from her roots in country music towards that more synth-filled, hip-hop-inflected sound. It's also generated a lot of interest for the new persona she presents through this music, with a darker, revenge-filled vibe throughout. Yes, I feel like that little spoken word bit in the first single from this album, you know, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Yeah. She's dead is the line that spawned a million think pieces. Yeah, it's so true. And that is, she has lent very heavily into that on reputation, like across the board. Yeah. It's actually kind of weird because there's kind of two tones, I think, going on on this record, which is that kind of vengeful, you didn't know who you were messing with, I don't give a shit, like the first time she's ever sworn on a record, like that whole mm. bad bitch kind of vengeful seductress vibe. And then there's also the a very classic giggly, starry-eyed, in love Taylor who's coming through on all these songs like Gorgeous and Call It What You Want and Delicate, like lo loads of those kind of Sparks Fly-esque songs as well. So it's kind of a strange mix of the two. Yeah, and for that reason, I don't find that it works that well coherently as an album for me. Mm. There are some songs, like you mentioned Delicate, that for me is the standout song really? of the album. Yeah, I like oh, it the that's best. Cool. And actually, I think I am more drawn towards the old Taylor style stuff yeah. on it. That's because musically, I don't really like the new Taylor. I'm here for her persona shift and like what this says about her as an artist and the rest of it. But musically, I'm, I can't listen to Look What You Made Me Do. Yeah, I, I don't like that song either. And I do kind of agree with you in some respects in that Endgame for me is a bit of a misstep, which is this it's song. It's the worst with, one on the album. Yeah, Ed Sheeran. And it's got a much more like rap. It's future has a verse on it. It's a, it, it's a much more kind of rap style thing. And when I first listened to it, I like cringed out of my eyeballs. Mm. And I still don't like the, the kind of the verses and the guest verses. But that hook that's like, big reputation, big reputation. Yeah. I like can't get that out of my head now. And the like, hook is good. But I found it awful when I first heard that hook. And now I'm just like walking down the street like, mm, you and me, we got big reputations. I love it. I think... <laughs> I've got Stockholm Syndrome. May yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I also think what Taylor's slightly misunderstood about, she is going for a more hip hop -y type sound. And also she's doing a a bit more like spoken word delivery a bit like ed sheeran had a bit more of that on his yeah which is recent cringy. album which is totally cringy because her delivery is not good but also i don't think she realizes that if you're going to do more spoken word stuff the words have to be good right they have to be meaningful and clever and interesting you don't think there's enough kind of of the like hip-hop wordplay not alongside. at all yeah that i'm sure that's a totally fair criticism but I have to say, I love the new Taylor. <laughs> Do you? Okay, interesting. I, I mean, I did something bad for me is a standout bop and like by far the best track on this mm. album. It's like crazy. I was like 12 minutes late for work today and I was like, they say I did something bad, but why does it feel so good? <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally having the time of my life listening to that record on repeat. And I can't argue with her when she does something like that. Like, I am aware of all the stuff I dislike about her brand. And then she comes out with these songs that I just can't resist and i'm like oh i can't even hate you properly because you've just made a song that is irresistible to me so yeah i did something bad don't blame me i love mm. 
dress I absolutely love getaway car I love and all of these are a bit like sexier than the traditional tailor yeah I I am interested in the future of sexy tailor I really hope that she sticks with that because I Mm. think she could do some good stuff with that I was really interested in overall though what the advent of new Taylor says for where she thinks she sits in the culture Mm. if that makes sense because you know there's all of this backstory that we've talked about a bit before Kanye and the VMAs and all of you know her weird popularity amongst the alt-right in America this whole idea of like Taylor Swift pursuing purity she's definitely got a rep for being racially tone deaf kind of at best yeah the Nicki Minaj thing is a very good example of that but also just you know the fact that i don't think she ever said anything negative about donald trump like no you know definitely not she's not someone who's really used her platform for good she's she's totally silent on anything political yeah and given that how when it's something industry related she can be quite an interesting advocate Mm. for instance you know how she stood out against spotify and you know, streaming services, not paying artists much for their music and all that kind of stuff. So she is capable of it Mm. when it benefits her bottom line. Mm. You kind of have to question what her motives are there. But anyway, the new Taylor is a fascinating response to the the demise of her cultural capital, I feel like. Are you also, you like making a point there about how for someone who's been like kind of so roundly criticised for her, her dealings with like a very high profile black man and her mm-hmm. conversation with Nicki Minaj that there's something a bit kind of like leaves a bad taste in your mouth about her moving towards hip hop even oh, more. Oh definitely yeah right. that really it feels it feels like appropriation mm-hmm. is what it feels like. Yeah I, I can totally I can see that I think t- she's quite good at kind of she goes near it but never goes too far if you know I think yeah. she's I, she doesn't I, actually be totally cynical that might be that might be because she knows that she's going to Mm. be in line for these criticisms but it's also something that you could say about someone like lord who's like super hip-hop influenced and you know has always said that kanye west is one of her big influences there is definitely something that um so our friend laura snapes wrote an amazing piece in the guardian about taylor swift's bad reputation Mm. and one point that she touched on there that i hadn't really thought about which i'm kind of guilty of doing right now is that there's always this bad faith presumption about taylor swift totally when she does something critics me included are inclined to give her a harder time about it than perhaps other artists that's so true and she's so uncool i saw like a a video of her ready for it performance from snl going around with comments like this is white mediocrity Mm. she looks like someone who's having a sweet 16 and like is forcing all her guests to watch her perform and i was like oh i actually i know that there's something a bit uncool about her and i can definitely see what the comment is about like she's not a dancer in the same way that so many massive black and mixed race performers like absolutely can both sing dance yeah. and like you know she's never gonna be in the same league as Beyonce obviously so I get those criticisms but I'm also like I still enjoyed that performance and I still thought it was quite good so mm. it's kind of awkward and also me and um my boyfriend were talking this morning about how her albums are still like overwhelmingly reviewed by men and you yeah. still get these kind of snippy comments from men like the BBC in their review were like uh, I'm. This is secondhand info from from my boyfriend, so I haven't actually read this review. So sorry if I'm paraphrasing. But oh, she's influenced by Madonna and X and Y, and perhaps unintentionally Kurt Vonnegut. And you're like, she's read a book though. Like yeah. she might be annoying and she might be tone deaf, but she can she can read. She like might well have read a book and made a reference to it. Or 
you know, there's a lot of people making jokes about how she says things like, you know, I never trust a narcissist, but they love me. And they're like, wait, you're the narcissist, you idiot. And you're like, she's she's obviously playing around with that, yeah, that idea. She is aware of the meaning yeah. of the word narcissist. Or like her track listing having titles like I did something bad, don't blame me next to each. Like all of these things yeah. are obviously kind of a bit joking and a bit ironic. And people are always like, oh, she's an idiot. She doesn't realize what she's doing. And you're like, I don't know. I think that she's obviously misreading the cultural moment a lot in lots of ways and i think that there are so many fair criticisms you can make of taylor swift about race absolutely and and political silence but there's also a strain of kind of like men being patronizing towards her that still rubs me up the, the wrong way yeah that's and definitely not that true. much overlap between them that piece that you wrote, wrote ages ago now that mm. went really viral the, the mansplaining of taylor swift yeah. you know where ryan adams covered 1989 and yeah. all the male critics wet themselves. Like that is still kind of how her music is. Yeah, and it still speaks passed, to yeah. a problem of there just being too many male music reviewers reviewing yes. this album. Like that, not very many of the big national reviews have been by women at all, which is sad. Um, and even fewer, I'm sure, by black women and women of color. So mm. it's all the, the discourse is obviously all kind of like skewed. But I, yeah, I really like this album, I have to say. And it, and for me, it's never going to quite reach the heights of something like Red or 1989, which are so kind of sonically unified. Yeah. And so they're like, for me, those are almost perfect, perfect albums. Yeah, this is all why I'm so interested in the idea of this album and like what it represents in terms of like where we are in music criticism and where mm. we are in celebrity and stardom and stuff. I just don't really like listening to it very much so far. Yeah. Unlike you, it hasn't really captured me. I think maybe I've been thinking I need to make two separate playlists mm. with the different types of song mm. on each one because I think it's the switch between them that I can't handle. Yeah. I need to get sustainedly into one of her vibes and then see how it works. I'll just be here with I Did Something Bad and this is why we can't have nice things just like on repeat in the meantime. <laughs> hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Now we're going to talk about the third series of Detectorists. Ooh. This show has been a seriously favourite for a very long time. I actually feel very proud that lots of people have told us they discovered it because of us. Yeah. Anyway, if you still don't know what we're talking about, this is the gentle metal detecting comedy set in Essex, written by Mackenzie Crook and starring Crook and Toby Jones. I love Toby Jones. Yeah. <laughs> And it follows these two characters, Lance and Andy, who are avid detectorists. They are members of a metal detecting club. And it's just about their Please. lives. Dainbury Metal Detecting Dainbury Society. Dainbury Metal Detecting Society. <laughs> and it's just about their lives and their finds and their relationships. Yeah, and it, we've, we've loved it and talked about it so much. So exciting to be on season three of Detectorists, where we where we kind of last ended up with these characters which is a big spoiler. So if you've never seen any of Detectorists, please just take our recommendation and go and see it. But for those of you who have, the second series ended with Lance finally discovering gold. And he found a he found some treasure that has now, as we learned from the Christmas special, made it into the British Museum. Yes. And there's kind of a cute little line in the first episode where Andy says to Lance, oh, it's all right for you. You've got a piece in the British Museum. Where do you go from there? And I, I kind of felt that in, as a viewer yeah. coming back to season three like where are they going to go from here and the answer is kind of miraculously nowhere because they just love metal detecting so it's really just more of the same <laughs> yes so they have set up something of a series arc peril thing mm -hmm. in that the farm where lance and andy have permission to detect has been sold to a company that makes solar panels and they're gonna in five weeks time or whatever they're gonna cover the whole farm in, in a surprisingly anti-renewable energy sources move from detectorists yes <laughs> well it's interesting though isn't it again the show isn't that black and white you know no. there's a scene where they're sat around in the pub and after they've just heard this news and they're not angry that it's solar panels or anything that's taking it they're just sad because they liked that place totally and now they're not going to be able to detect there anymore yeah and this is something that I feel... I've watched the first three episodes of the new series. Mm. I think one's been on so far last Wednesday. There's another one on tomorrow. It's always been there in this show, but I feel like it's more. It's there even more in the third series. Is It has such an amazing sense for place and mm. landscape. Mm. And it's made really explicit, actually, at the end of the first episode, where Lance has this little moment when he thinks he can hear horses. Mm. And suddenly you get this little sort of transport back in time and you get to see this same field through all the different ages and times and mm. that you see this burial happening of this treasure that they still haven't found that's still just there taunting them the whole time mm. and they connect it through looking at is it a magpie yeah yeah the magpies you know just been picking bits of treasure out of the soil when no one's been looking mm. for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's so moving and so beautiful and the music's lovely and it really makes you stop and think detectorist is all about stopping and thinking standing in the middle of a field mm. and thinking who stood here before totally and there is something really moving as you say about that and something that is like 
kind of scientifically undeniable and, and also almost banal in its obviousness is that like yeah that's like literally hundreds of years worth of people have stood on the same ground as you and that can either be like a boring fact or when you think about it it's kind of like super weird and amazing and especially for characters like andy and lance who live their life as you say like revisiting the same pathways and and tending a very small patch of field over and over again it's really incredible to think of all the different settings that field was and yeah lance does that he says you know this was a burial ground and this was where people gathered around the fire and this was and he's kind of just running with his (laughs) with his imagination but it's still also in in a in a bigger sense true and i interviewed Mackenzie crook and toby jones uh last week and I felt kind of weirdly like I wanted to ask them if they believed in ghosts because <laughs> there's an almost supernatural theme to, to Detectorists where you get these flashbacks. You get these flashbacks and you get these feelings. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's not so strong as ghosts, but they get feelings. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, when Lance just finds the gold at the end of se- series two, like they're about to pack up and go to the pub mm. and he just goes, oh, hang on. I've just got a feeling. Yeah. He runs back to the patch where they had been and he finds it. Yeah, and he says then, do you hear that? Horses. Yeah. And they're like, what are you on about? Exactly. I I said to them, like, do you believe in ghosts? And Mackenzie was like, no, no, no. And then he was kind of like, well, and he doesn't believe in ghosts, but we had a conversation about him um, finding a whistle that you actually see in the first episode of detectorist it's a real whistle that he found which is beautiful and that's what triggers the whole flashback sequence isn't it he blows this little hawker's whistle totally and he's found that while he was detecting because he's done a lot of detecting since detectorist started and he said he like dug out of the ground like got the dirt out of it blew it and then he heard the sound that that whistle made for the first time since medieval times Mm. when it was lost and he was like and that was kind of a ghost like i heard a ghost then and that's really amazing to think that you could be the first person to touch something and make music from something that's been in the ground for literally hundreds of years. And it, it I don't know, it's a kind of weird time travel. Um, and yeah, like you say, those bits about human connection essentially are what makes Detectorist so moving, both on a macro scale of like, wow, I'm reaching across mi- like centuries mm. to communicate with someone and on a small scale of like andy and lance how they communicate with each other how they joke with each other it's just such a beautiful <laughs> comedy in that way it is beautiful and something that i have a renewed appreciation for in this series is the Danebury metal detecting mm. group and the group of people that it involves because there's this excellent scene in the second episode where they just sit around and laugh. Mm. Like, I love how they're just so like gentle and close with each other and no one, there's no like prejudice or judgment or sarcasm or anything. It's like, here's a table of cool things we found this week. Totally. Let's talk about it. Like Sheila will hand round cake and, you know, yeah, everyone's a bit weird, but who cares? Yeah, exactly. And they're... Uh, one thing again that I talked to Toby Jones with Kenzie Crook about is like yeah these characters are maybe a bit off the wall but actually they've all got a lot of things going for them they're all smart they're all funny they're all kind they're all good people and I don't know it's weird how you want to kind of pigeonhole them all as like geeks or losers mm. or weirdos but the the joy of detectorists is that it's actually never saying that about them no, not it's always all. just saying look at this group of like interesting cool people and it is so funny as well like I think sometimes because this is such a surprisingly moving program it's easy to be like to talk about that and not talk about the fact that it actually is like laugh out loud funny 
but I laughed so much yes. in these three episodes. I love the the kind of dad patter that goes on between Andy and Lance. Yeah. I love the university challenge jokes. I love in the first episode they're talking about you know, who would you invite to a dinner, you know, anyone alive or oh, dead, who bit, would you invite? Yeah. And and um, Andy's like, well, not Stephen Fry, because he gets invited to a lot of these imaginary dinner parties. Yeah, he's he really just, fed up of them. And he'd be really grumpy joke. and just sit there not say anything. Yeah, yeah, and so even like little jokes, like, you know, he says, you know, you can invite six people, who do you choose, alive or dead? And Andy's like, mm, alive, probably. And, like, <laughs> it's such a stupid dad joke. And yeah, it's just so funny. And I also really laughed so hard in all the scenes there's a whole thread this series and we won't spoiler it but about lance just having trouble with like motion sickness on a narrow yeah. boat and you know the comedy of it is just spot on it's really good so what was it like actually meeting mackenzie Cook and toby jones it was so wonderful they're so nice and obviously it's quite nerve-wracking because the thing is with interviews is i'm not really interested in doing interviews with people that i'm not super interested in mm. And I'm I'm such big fans of their work, so you get I got quite nervous anyway. But they were both very lovely. Mackenzie Crook was a much like more the kind of shy figure out of the two of them, and Toby Jones. I think he's. I spoke to some other journalists who have all been like he's just the best to interview mm. because he's so forthcoming with like good stories and stuff, and he's really at ease. And you know, yeah, I heard him on the Five Live Film program. Yeah, um, last week, and he's one of the I think maybe the only like male actor who i've heard asked the so what happens for the industry after weinstein who's just gone well everything has to change of course and yeah. it should have done years ago and like he just said that like well i don't really understand why you're asking me this question that seems really obvious <laughs> i love him so much <laughs> one thing that is funny about this is just a little personal tip for the seriously listeners is he is so so reminds me of my father <laughs> so much and i um, i mean he's kind of got a a more um kind of like culturally on it uh pool of references than my dad and he's a little bit more engaged with that kind of thing so he's he's obviously very different to my dad but just in his like way of being mm. <laughs> i was like oh god it's like talking to my dad yeah he was so nice and so was Mackenzie crook and they made us such a sweet pair because Mackenzie crook is a little bit more i would maybe like embarrassed or, or um res reserved mm. and all these great stories he had about things that he'd found detecting like he's found a piece that is also now in possession of the british museum really? yeah because it, it's being researched by them it's not being exhibited right. but so i i feel i should know this did was he into detecting and then he wrote detectorist or I was think, it the other way around i think he had like a peripheral interest in it right and then got like an actual met metal detector when they started doing it and like mm. now his is on during filming and he's done other trips in between series okay is the, is the narrative i think is right he's got loads of great stories and just like lovely stories about coming up with characters and stuff and it's he, he'll like you know i'll say do you believe in ghosts and he'll be like oh no not really and then toby jones will be like why don't you why don't you tell her that thing you told me about when mm. you found that you know and he's really like coaxing all these great stories out of him or he'll be like Oh, you know, you have to tell her what happened when you when after you found that gold coin. Tell her what you told me. You know, it's really, it's really lovely to watch, and they're obviously genuinely good friends. And so that was, I yeah, I loved that element of of seeing kind of a version of Andy and Lance having a little kind of they yeah. had they had some little back and forths about things like they were doing impressions of ghosts together and <laughs> just sweet things like that. So and like new when the, when um Toby Jones told me that he'd 
had fans come up to him in New Orleans and say that they were a big fan of the show. Mackenzie Crook was like, oh, I thought you were joking when you said that. I was like really shocked. So they had a little <laughs> chat about that. Um, so yeah, a dream come true for this seriously detectorist fangirl to, to interview them. So you can read it on newstatesman.com if you, if you are so inclined. Yeah, and we'll put the link in the show notes as well. And honestly, we cannot recommend that you just go and watch this program enough. I'm so excited for the next three because we've watched yeah, the first we've watched three. Yeah, we've watched the first three. There's another three for it to come. So exciting. So last week I recommended that Caroline watch Freaks and Geeks, one of my favourite shows of all time. Caroline, what did you make of Freaks and Geeks? So I watched the pilot episode initially, as yeah. you would. It's the first one. And I was like, I don't understand why Anna likes this. <laughs> this is weird. What um, about it put you off at first? This is The setup is two siblings and their respective friend groups. The younger brother, Sam, hangs out with all these geeky boys. He's like 14. They're very cute. And the oldest sister, Lindsay, who's what, like 16, 17, yeah. is just ingratiating herself with these kind of like druggy rock music fans from school so i think what initially put me off is that none of them seem very nice mm. like i th i think and this is a common thing that happens in pilots like they had to in the space of one episode flesh out their main characters and also put quite a lot of time into showing the main character Lindsay's transition from her like goody two shoes mm -hmm. mathlete social world in high school into her joining up with the freaky guys and getting into like led zeppelin and stuff and so i think they had to spend so much time on that that the actual characters like james franco's character and all the rest of them i was like i don't really like you they all uh, seem a bit scary they all seem a bit with... scary and i don't really care about you and stuff mm. but i was absolutely going to watch four more episodes oh wow great and i totally get it now because are you into it i'm really into oh, it yay. because they are actually when you properly get you know when they get proper time spent on it they are really endearing characters and yeah they are kind of bad in some ways yeah. but in a like lazy redeemable way have you watched the episode called kim kelly is my friend is that it? i think it's in the first four maybe yes yeah, yeah yeah and it's about um so yeah when Lindsay meets this gang james franco's character is like kind of i think we're meant to assume she really fancies him yeah well and... the party episode is all about how she's trying to yeah. get with him yeah. and he's got an on-off girlfriend kim kelly and kim kelly as a character is like so awful when you first meet her because <laughs> she's like deeply insecure and she's like with this guy who like cheats on her all the time and stuff so you know understandable and she very much views Lindsay as a threat from the off and is like i think in the pilot she like drops her bag she all over the her floor bag, yeah. and is like kept keeps calling her lame and like saying she's like you know a mathlete and stuff so you really don't like her from the beginning and then there's this episode which actually never aired it's there's like oh, three really? episodes that originally didn't air that's yeah. one of them and a couple towards the end as well it's such a lovely episode because it is it's, 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 it's a classic you know tv lit literary arc of like this villain not so villainous mm -hmm. but um it's just i don't know i find that a really beautiful episode of tv and it kind of ends with Lindsay bit saying the words like kim kelly is my friend yeah uh, to her parents who think she's like a really bad influence and isn't isn't allowed to hang around her anymore the parents i by the way i think are great characters in the this. parents are incredible like the episode i think it's the second episode where they go away for the weekend and Lindsay throws this party mm. that she then like has to shut down because mm. she's not into it anymore but when they're they're going to like a special conference 
or something in Chicago for like a, a hobby that they really like mm. or something. And the dad is like, we have to go. Otherwise we'll miss the initial mixer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's great. And he's very much like, Lindsay, get, go to your room. And then the mum's like, whoa, calm down. You haven't even exactly. He's, it's just a very, very classic, typical parenthood um, pairing. Also all his stories end in and then he died yeah so i like that as a trope so it's like and you know so and so did drugs and you know what happened then he died yeah. and she's like dad guess what i skipped school and nobody died <laughs> um yeah i i also love that party episode that you mentioned because i think it's a great one for introducing you to the geeks so mm -hmm. you know sam neil and bill and um neil is one of my favorite characters who's this kind of he looks like a man in a child's body he's yes. like a jewish like witty like he's a lot like oh there's a character in 10 things i hate about you who's very similar oh i can't remember your uh, but like yes the same like smaller young jewish yeah. boy and i've forgotten his name but he's yeah he's grown up now that actor and he looks now and now he looks like um like an adult in a child's body oh it's like, interesting it's really funny <laughs> but yeah he just so funny and i think his character's really really great and the, their role in that plot is that they don't want Lindsay and her friends to drink because they've just seen like a kind of class demonstration about how you can like drive your car into a tree and kill all your friends if you get drunk at parties mm -hmm. so they buy a non-alcoholic keg and switch it with the alcoholic keg and it's really sweet to see the three of them they care so much about Lindsay. Like Sam cares about her because it's his sister. Uh, Neil cares about her because he fancies her. And Bill is just kind of like a nice guy along for the ride. Yeah. And he's kind of, a, he's the most reluctant to kind of engage with it all. But I don't know. I love that. That what a bizarre dynamic, what a gentle comedy thing to do. But they still are like, yeah, we'll write an episode about the three boys trying to swap the kegs at their party. It's yeah. just so cute. <laughs> yeah, it is really cute. I do really like their little group mm. i think it's very sweet so yeah um, in some senses this show made me think of if you were to take any of those classic like late 80s early 90s rom-coms like i'm thinking well 10 things i hate about you is later but you know what i mean those kind of films and you were to strip out the romantic plot line mm -hmm. and just have the what was going on in the background at the high school stuff yeah this is what Reeks and Geeks is. And that's basically why I was, we got onto this because of Stranger Things, yeah. right? And that's it's such a... It's like Stranger Things without the action plots. It is like those movies without the romance plots. One thing, this is kind of a spoiler, but one thing I love about Freaks and Geeks so much is it's set up as about her fancying James Franco's character. Yeah. And she realises that he kind of is really with Kim Kelly and she likes them as a couple. And then she's just kind of fine about it. And mm. like, it never really, you never really revisit that. There's not like, it's not like in the finale, her and James Franco finally kiss or anything like that. It's just like, oh, actually, I've now realised these people are going to be so, my friends. And it's a lot more like real life in that way. Don't, don't tell me, but five episodes in, I'm kind of shipping her with Jason Chaffetz. Jason, Jason Segal. I don't know, Jason Segal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with Jason Segal. Yeah, I... I he's just I mean there's some great comedy in mm. terms of his performance in this role like I don't know if he's like serenaded her or anything oh, I don't like know that I've yet. seen that yet oh yeah. my god there's like so many like iconic iconic moments from this show that are basically him being so good at doing the kind of like pathetically in love guy I think he's he's always a bit too wet for me in this mm. but I, people like love him and really ship them so yeah I think I'm I think I'm we'll one of those there. people yeah I'm Aww. heading in that direction well I can't I'm so glad that yeah. you're enjoying it and uh, everyone seriously it's like such a seriously fan 
you know if 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 you like detectorists and other things like that i can't see how you wouldn't like freaks and geeks i also really this is wrong probably but i really personally identify with Lindsay's struggle Mm. as like a girl with nerdy inclinations (laughs) who later in her school career sort of accidentally got some got some cooler friends yeah because that's kind of what happened to me and i remember a really (laughs) a a really landmark school trip where we for some reason my school had this like one day trip to disneyland paris it was like a kind of you've done all your exams so you get to go to disneyland paris thing each of the i think three friendship groups who thought i was a full-time member all thought i would be going around disneyland paris with them oh my god this sounds like a plot. So, like, plot from Freaks and Geeks. Mu- music nerds, straight up nerds, and cooler girls yeah. all thought that I was like a full time member of their group and would obviously be because we had to give our names for what our groups were for going around the theme park, and that caused problems. What happened? I ended up just going around with some other people all together because it was too awkward. <laughs> That's a very Lindsay move. I feel like the prop- the thing with Lindsay's character is you're like, oh, okay, well, she's really like invested in this person now. And then she's just like suddenly off with someone else. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. And like, that's kind of good because it's about her like experimenting and exploring and being like a teenager. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm <laughs> glad you did. identify because- She's one of the great characters in that way because I think she's everyone watching it identifies with Jersey. Yeah. Great. Well, what are we doing for next week? So I want to suggest something a bit older and something quite strange that I watched recently okay. because my boyfriend had fond childhood nostalgia for this because I think it was repeated on TV when he was young. Uh, and it is Robin of Sherwood, which is Ooh. a 1984 to 86 british tv adaptation of the robin hood story oh wow but what there's just like no way this would ever have crossed my path me neither to be honest and i think not his either apart from he random like the dvd randomly came up like in his amazon recommendations or something so he was like okay i'll buy that Sure, guy randomly came up in my (laughs) amazon suggestions (laughs) and um, yeah then we watched it and it is amazing like everyone has incredible 80s hair and they're all just I feel like in a way that isn't really highlighted in other Robin Hood adaptations, they really live in the woods. Oh, like, that sounds funny. <laughs> which is really fun. Uh, there's also quite an interesting... like I'm getting like a where we are in the... Sh- who we are. What's that one called? Um, in the shadows? The Taika Waititi. Yeah, a bit like I'm getting that. that kind of vibe already, which is bit probably like not accurate. But. There's also like an... He's given it an interesting class dimension. Even how I think historically Robin of Loxley was like quite posh, but took on this kind of outlaw role. In this adaptation, all of the like merry men are working class people who are being oppressed. And all of the like people who were chasing them are evil landowners and bishops. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so Amazing. yeah, and it's all, yeah, it's basically all about class struggle. And weirdly there's a strong pagan element to it as well and a kind of um merry england pastoral dimension <gasps> Hearn the hunters in it a lot you amazing know. i'm so, yeah, so excited it's pretty weird but it's gonna be absolutely batshit <laughs> i can't wait <laughs> Thank
Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you've enjoyed on the show. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.